for our kids to help them find their purpose. I think it's just about gathering experiences and really looking at what do you need to to do? So let's try it. I don't know. Do you want to play volleyball? Let's try it. Let's see how it goes. So do you like roller skating? Do you have any athletic ability? (laughs) My daughter doesn't. She has none of that, but she's brilliant. She likes to play chess. Welcome to the American Mothers Mom to Mom podcast, a show that lifts encourages, supports, and educates mothers to do their best in their awesome responsibility to raise, teach, and champion the rising generation. Join us as we talk to and answer questions from mothers nationwide about the challenges, heartbreaks, joys, and lessons learned from one mother to another. Hello, this is Deanne Taylor, and we're happy to have Dr. Renee Renardi with us again this week. Dr. Renardi is a psychologist and the director of Lakeside Center for Behavioral Change. She is the program developer of CourageCritters.com, a plush animal and online program to help children learn adaptive coping skills. She has settled in Fargo, North Dakota, where she resides with her husband, Chad, and their daughter. There she has started a nonprofit and continues to be an advocate for mental health. She was named by American Mothers as a 2019 National Mother of the Year and served as a delegate to the 2021 United Nations Commission on the Status of Women. In addition to teaching, Dr. Renardi travels across America presenting at numerous conferences and trainings. Whenever she is not working, she plays a competitive game of Twister and enjoys traveling, hiking, and finding new adventures with her family. Dr. Renardi, it is an honor to have you back on the show. It's great to be here. Thank you so much for having me. During the last program, you talked about the importance of emotional wellness and that each person needs the skills to manage their emotions and nervous system, much like people need to learn the skills to drive a car. I really, really like that analogy. You also covered topics of resilience, comparisons, influencers, and fake famous. We all have to be careful about comparisons, especially with the fake. You reviewed that everyone experiences failure and that parents can't protect their children from it. And they also need to learn how to deal with rejection. We need to learn who we are and how we can best handle it for ourselves. This is a very brief summary of the wonderful discussion we had last week. I encourage people to listen to it if you haven't heard uh, Dr. Renardi or listen to it again if you'd like to get a refresher. Dr. Renardi, I know that my co-host Tamara K. Anderson has a follow-up comment and a question that would be a great start for this week. Tamara? You mentioned that, that you have to get the emotions out, process them. I've taken a couple of my kids to visit therapists before, and one of the more recent therapists we visited talked about... Um, moving. One of my kids struggles with anxiety. And as we move our body, sometimes it helps us process things and move them out. It releases some of that stress and stuff like that. So I know that that was one of the tips to helping them be able to just work through the anxiety that they were feeling. 
But I also realized that there are other ways that people process emotions differently. Some of them talk it out, obviously with a therapist or something like that. Are there any other ways you could give us as parents that will help us explore different options with our kids? Because each kid is different, right? Yeah. Everybody's different. It's never a one size fits all treatment approach. When you work with a therapist, the first thing that most therapists hopefully um, are doing (laughs) is doing a, a functional behavioral analysis, really looking at for this individual, what is the function of that emotion? Where are they getting stuck? What's the function of their maybe maladaptive coping? So if they're avoiding or cutting or doing compulsive behaviors or hair pulling or skin picking or nail biting or skipping class or vaping or drinking with their friends or smoking weed or hanging out with the wrong crowd. What's the function of that? It's usually not to just be naughty or usually not just to get attention. It's serving a greater function for them that they don't know how else to get that emotional need met. So I have to look at what is the emotional need? How are they currently trying to meet that emotional need? And what can I teach them instead that's going to be more adaptive and also educate them about their nervous system? For every single person, we have to write the owner's manual for their vehicle, their emotional system that they're driving around. So we take a look at that and we build a a conceptualization and that can include multiple different components. For some people, it is sensory and really um, looking at what their body does when they're anxious. And how can we process it? How can we move your body in other ways? So, and there's lots of great things. Exercise is so important for kids anyway. And a lot of kids, unless they play a sport, they're usually not getting a a ton of exercise. Those types of things are are important to, to look at as well. So moving your body, having a healthy body. I always start with sleep, exercise, nutrition. Let's take a look at those things. Cause if you're a teenager, and you do your homework until 10 o'clock at night because, oops, you're in play practice until eight. You just got home. Mm-hmm. You inhaled a McDonald's. Now you're going to crush out your homework for the next couple hours. Now it's 10 o'clock. You're going to get on your phone and manage all your social media accounts. Now it's midnight. Maybe you should start thinking about going to bed because you got to get up at six. But uh-oh, here's a friend that just texts you. They just broke up with their boyfriend and they're suicidal. Now I'm up until 2, 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning just to turn around and not be able to really sleep that well and get up in a few hours and do it all over again the next day. I couldn't do that as an adult. There's no way. So it's really important that we look at sleep. We look at exercise. We look at their nutrition. McDonald's isn't going to cut it. I get it. Families are busy, but trying to look at what can I do to nourish my child's mind and body? That doesn't mean we need to do the, the Pinterest little cutout sandwiches. Right? Like, <laughs> there are yes. lots of days I go home and I heat up a box of soup. but it's got some vegetables in it (laughs) and maybe some chicken. (laughs) That's awesome. Like that is one of those days. That's fine. So, or we make eggs. It's really important to be able to look at some of those things. It doesn't have to be perfect. I'm not a great cook. I'm not going to make the big, huge, like Thanksgiving, you know, da, da, da. that's fine. So I have to look at my own expectations as a parent too, but what's the next best thing? Like box soup. Great. better than McDonald's looking at the sleep exercise, nutrition, looking at screens, right? 
looking at that parent-child interaction time. How much time am I able to spend with my child? And this is something too, I notice this in my own mind because I'm a very busy person, of course. I try to be cognizant of time that I'm spending with my daughter. Our special time every day, and hopefully we'll have other times throughout the day too, but our special time that we both really value is bedtime. So I lay with her at bed at night. We talk about our day. We talk about anything that she has in her mind, things like that. We snuggle for a little bit. And even with that, I'll notice when I'm laying there with her, I'm like, I don't have time this. Like I got to get laundry. I need to do these other things right now. I got to wash my face. I'm tired myself. I want to go to bed. And I have to shut all of that off and to be like, okay, I, I do have all of those other things to do, but right now I need to be here with my child. I need this and she needs it. I have to tell myself that, which nobody likes to think of themselves that way. We were just like, oh, I love laying with my daughter at night, but there are many times my thoughts pull me away. And that's another really important skill that we look at, especially with anxiety, is to look at what is our thought process. And there's a skill called cognitive restructuring, being able to identify, challenge, and replace our toxic thoughts that we have. On my website, lakesidecenter.org, I have a tab for forms. And there's a a form on there called cognitive distortions. And these are all the unhelpful thoughts that we tell ourselves, all or nothing thinking. Either I need to do it perfectly or I don't do it at all. Either it's Thanksgiving, like super healthy homemade meal or McDonald's. There's lots in between. So catastrophic thinking, mind reading, fortune telling, all of these things are examples of toxic thought patterns that we all have. We all just tend to have our favorite areas of focus, but we have to be able to identify If we don't take that moment, we just keep going through autopilot, too busy to actually examine our own thoughts for our children, too busy to actually examine their own thoughts. We can't change them. We're caught in a days of our lives episode. So where the script never changes and we just keep acting the same role. It's really important to read our script, pay attention to what we tend to tell ourselves. We have editing power over our script. So to, to try to modify, to try to learn some problem solving skills around that, and then try to do something else. So that's cognitive restructuring. There's for anxiety, and this is actually what I specialize in is exposure therapy. I mostly treat obsessive compulsive disorder. So if I have a child that needs to tap three times before they leave the room, otherwise their mom is going to die, is what the OCD tells them, is this mind bully. So that my exposure, it won't work for me just to tell them, no, that doesn't happen. You tapping three times doesn't really change anything. We could say that 10 million times. If anything, it might make it worse because I'm giving reassurance, which can be a compulsive. What I'll have them do is tap two times and walk out of the room. Experience that anxiety because when we experience emotion, like we were talking about earlier, we learn how to tolerate it. So if I jump into a cold pool and I jump right back out again, I never get used to the temperature. But if I jump into the cold pool, I swim around a little bit. Pretty soon I adjust and I'm having fun. That's what we want to do with anxiety. That's what exposure therapy is. We're not avoiding. We're not doing anything fancy. We're just experiencing it. We don't have to like it. It can be unpleasant, but it's not dangerous. Um, And that's what we look at when people are, are dealing with anxiety. There's relaxation. There's mindfulness. There's so many different skills that we can look at, but those are a few of, of what we can work on. If it's movement, I have a whole box of fidget toys um, that people can play with because it can't always be moving at school. Sometimes we can do accommodation, get a little bouncy chair or something like that, depending on the child's age. 
but to have like fidgets or have other ways to get their sensory needs met while they're sitting in school can be really good solutions. They can actually focus better. Even just chewing gum. I used to have to do that. When I was in grad school, I'd chew on pens. It helped me. It kept my brain going to chew on something. It really helped my nervous system. You know, really needed that sensory input. And when you think about it, just like being a baby, what do we do when a baby cries? We pat its back. We bounce, right? Sometimes we just don't outgrow that. And we need that sensory input to, to regulate. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm. Wow. This is incredible. Deanne, I'm sure you're, you've got some question you're dying to ask. I feel like I've monopolized everything here. I am totally in awe of everything that you've shared. I keep thinking about my grandchildren and my children, even adult children. I'm learning more about what they are going through emotionally. And you've helped me understand a lot about what I haven't understood before and be more aware of what other people are going through just by body language and being more empathetic to what they must be going through. I thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and opening a world to me that I have not thought much about because in my day, you move forward and just deal with it. When I got sick or wasn't feeling well, my mother goes, well, just go up and work it off. Mm -hmm. That's how she just work it off and you'll be okay. And so that's the way I was raised. Thank you. We need to take a quick break and we'll be back in a minute. Did you know you can nominate that special mother as mother of the year? American Mothers accepts nomination from Mother's Day through September 15th. American Mothers has been honoring mothers since 1935. Now's the time to honor that special mom in your life. For more information or to submit a nomination, go to www.americanmothers.org nominate. We are back with Dr. Renardi. It has been fascinating for me to listen to you and expand my knowledge and understanding of the different ways people are emotionally impacted and how children can be affected. I better understand how important it is for each of us to be aware of our emotions and how we can manage them. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you. I, I really appreciate being able to, to talk about the, the work that I do, which is more than work. In Japanese, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation of this, but I think it's called Ikigai. And it talks about our life's passion. So doing something that we love, doing something that's good for the world, doing something that maybe we can make a living doing and finding this life's passion. And everyone has a different purpose. Everyone has different things that they're good at. I actually went to school for engineering. That's where it I went to college for initially, because when I was a kid, I'd always take things apart, like our telephone, whatever. I would take it all apart and then I would put it back together again. Sometimes successfully, sometimes not, <laughs> but it was something that I was just fascinated by that. And that's why I ended up being drawn toward engineering. And I also liked helping people. It was my plan when I entered college was to get a degree in civil engineering, specifically environmental. And I was going to live in Mexico City and design water treatment plants. That was the goal, right? But then I started volunteering on a suicide and crisis hotline. And through that experience, I'm like, whoa, 
this is amazing. I love thinking about how people work um, and think in really connecting with other people and being there with them and crying together, learning together. People are the expert in themselves. I'm the expert in some of these techniques. When we work together, some really amazing things can happen. And I get to be a witness to that. I get to participate in that. That's amazing. I've been, I've been doing this for 22 years. Today's Monday. I'm jazzed to come back into work. So it is something that when we find things that we're good at and that we like learning about and working with people on and getting to travel a journey with others, to have the ability to practice compassion for for work, like, man, I feel like it's one of the most selfish things you can do because you actually benefit more from compassion. (laughs) Research shows this. So if I'm giving a gift, my brain actually lights up with joy more than the person receiving the gift. What is really important, first of all, it's a nice thing to do as humanity, right? So to care and nurture and encourage, offer talents and skills to each other, but also what a great gift to give to ourselves too. So to to have that purpose, to have that connection with, with other people. And I think that's why you see in the coffee lines or whatever, where people do the pay it forward and th- that can go on for forever. I know there was one here in Minnesota, it went on, I don't even know how many hundreds um, of orders people did the, the pay it forward and it just kept going and going and going and going. It was during the pandemic. And I think it was something that people just really needed that they appreciated that gift and then they wanted to give it to somebody else. And it felt so good to do something nice for somebody else. When we look at all of the tensions and all of the things that are going on, that is an important thing too. looking at what's actually in my control. What can I do? What can I do for myself first? We got to put on our own oxygen mask before assisting others, right? So I couldn't do this job if I didn't take care of myself. So I have to do that. And it's hard. It's hard for me to, to leave at the end. I used to not do that. So when I didn't have a family, I'd show up in my office. I'd be here until midnight, <laughs> one time, three o'clock in the morning, but that was not good self-balance. So I enjoyed it. I liked what I was doing. It didn't feel like a burden, but it wasn't good balance. And so, and sometimes we have to take a step back, but it's being able to try to create those limits. I try to eat healthy. I try to take care of my body. I try to make time for my family and have adventures and plan fun things. It's not easy, but it is really important to do it. I know I need sleep. So that one, that one is easy because I'm exhausted at the end of the day. <laughs> but it's something that you have to consider those things. And again, if you are trying to help your child, if you're trying to help your community, your grandkids. You have to make sure, how am I doing with myself first? And that's a really tough thing to to look at because sometimes it's easy to get distracted with other people's problems. We first have to heal our own stuff before we can worry about all these other things and certainly 10 steps removed world issues. And I think that's where people oftentimes unload, do all the fighting on social media and things like that. It's so removed, which probably makes it a little safer. I can rant. I can be an expert on this. (laughs) because I don't really want to look at this. I think that that's what contributes a lot to some of the the problems that we see with the emotional health of our society as a whole. You mentioned purpose a couple times. Do you have any recommendations of how parents can help their children find their purpose or they as parents can find their purpose? There are mothers who stay at home Mm -hmm. who they say, okay, I'm not doing anything worthwhile. I need to be out working and contributing. And in my experience, you're contributing 
society by raising your children and helping them become healthy and strong. Yeah. But sometimes you get lost in that purpose because it's every day, all day, and there's no other outlet. Frankly, I found American Mothers, and that has been my purpose. Mm-hmm. And helping mothers throughout the country, that has brought me great joy over the years. But not everybody can do that, or that's not their passion. Yeah. Well, and that is a great question. I I do think that it's really important that comparison, we look at, we're looking usually at such a small box on, oh, this is what it means to be successful. This is what purpose looks like. It can be so many different things. And maybe it's multiple things that contributes to your purpose, to your ikigai that fills you up. Right. This is something too that they look at sensitarians and super sensitarians. So sensitarians are people who live to be a hundred. Super sensitarians are people who live to be over 110, which is a growing population now. Um, so it's being able to look at what are some of these facts of longevity and to have purpose to feel like I I, I did something good plays a big role in that. And that looks different for everybody. But absolutely, being a caregiver, being a mother, uh, in whatever way that that manifests is such a gift. And as women, I always talk to my daughter about this. I'm just like, I'm so glad I'm a woman. So that all these amazing things that I've been able to do in my life and that I was able to have you, she didn't come easily. I had a couple of miscarriages. I had a very complicated pregnancy with her. So much of your life, you try to avoid pregnancy and then all of a sudden you're doing everything you can to get it. So (laughs) for some moms, everyone's journey is different. Um, what they want and what they don't want, how it comes and how it happens. I'm a career woman. So I didn't know when I was 35, do I really want to be a mom or not? So I was like, well, let's see, let's see what happens. And then these experiences happened and it made me think, I really do want to be a mom. I'm fighting for this, which then made it easier for when my daughter was born because she had a fancy nervous system. And so she didn't sleep ever. (laughs) <laughs> she would sleep no longer than 45 to 90 minutes. And then she'd be up again, not even crying, but just like ready to go. So <laughs> ready to eat, ready to do something. She didn't sleep for two and a half years, but I honestly, it was okay. I slept when I could, but I was just so grateful to have her. I coped with it so much better than if it had been an easy pregnancy that I didn't even think to look back on it. I probably, cause I was so sleep deprived. <laughs> I didn't even think to look at it like, oh man, this sucks. Right. So I was just like, okay, here I am. What do I need to do to get through today? I really had to work on my self-care too, taking care of myself during those early on years. Everybody's journey is different. Almost never is it easy, but it can still be worth it. And your purpose is going to be different and your purpose might change. And for our kids to help them find their purpose, I think it's just about gathering experiences and really looking at what do you need to, to do? So let's, let's try it. I don't know. Do you want to play volleyball? Let's try it. Let's see how it goes. Do you want to do gymnastics? I don't know. Let's try it. So do you like roller skating? Do you have any athletic ability? <laughs> My daughter does it. She can't do a cartwheel, even though I was a pretty good gymnast. She has none of that, but she's brilliant. She likes to play chess and she likes to do math problems and that's fun for her. So that's her area. She wants to be an astrophysicist since she was three. So that's her thing. And I don't know in the next few years, is that still going to be the the case? 
who knows? Maybe she'll be an artist. She loves music. She's actually a very talented musician. But I, I don't know what her path is. But all I can do is offer her these opportunities. She usually comes on vacation with us. I like to bring her around and see different places in the world. We still do local things too, to try to have her experience different people, different ways of being and living and existing. I think that's such an important thing is for us to get those experiences and also for our kids to have that, let me explore, let me see what happens because we're not always going to know. And it's okay to change our mind. Again, I went to school for engineering. So I'm really glad I had the flexibility to decide I don't want to do this anymore. I'm going to do something else. New information has come in, right? <laughs> and dating and friends and all of that stuff, it changes sometimes. So we just have to gather those experiences, see what we like, see what we don't. And if we're wrong, that's okay. We can adjust accordingly. I love the idea of gathering new experiences. I love learning new things. So maybe that's why I like that. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes yeah. you have to be brave and try new things oh. and it's scary, but in trying those things, you find new passions that you, maybe you never would yeah. have thought you'd enjoy, right? <laughs> Well, and I think it is, it's keeping our ego in check. So one time we were on vacation and they had one of those surf machines. I can't swim, but I still go in the ocean. I usually have a life jacket on or something like that, but I love surfing. I just think it's so cool. So I was like, I want to learn how to do that. Even though I have pretty good balance, like I can do balance beam types of things. Okay. This is totally different being on water and moving and it's a surf machine. Like I had epic wipeouts uh, on this thing. And they hurt, <laughs> but I was laughing so hard. I didn't care that I look silly. I didn't care that other people are really good. They can move around like this on the surf machine and I'm being rolled all the way to the back. I get in line and, and do it again to the point where then I was able to stand up. And it was funny because there's like a little audience, people watching their family members attempt this. And I wasn't even looking for the feedback. I just really wanted to do it for myself. But afterwards, people were like, you were the most fun person to watch because I was cracking up laughing at myself. And I had a big <laughs> smile on my face, even though by far I was the worst <laughs> surfer out there. <laughs> we don't have to be good at it to enjoy it. And I think that's a big concept buster that we have to get through so often. Something I didn't have for a long time, not until probably my mid thirties of really working on myself. I used to be the kid in middle school that was too afraid to ask the teacher to go to the bathroom. They didn't have time to go to the locker. Horrible anxiety. It took a lot of working on myself and a lot of letting go of ego. What other people think should be myself for all of my dorkiness. And some people like it and some people won't. That's okay. Because what I'm doing isn't bad being a bad surfer, but I'm having a great time. I, I think that it is. It's important. Again, that goes kind of the monitoring our own soap opera, looking at what our thought process is and being able, being willing to be a little uncomfortable, being willing to fail, being willing to look silly and things like that are really important life skills. <laughs> honestly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Renardi, this has been such an honor to have you on the show today. Thank you for sharing your wisdom for teaching us so many different skills. Before you go, will you tell us your website again so that we can find those forms that you mentioned to use as resources? Sure. I'm really easy to find. So you can just Google my name, Renee Renardi, or my website for my clinical practice is lakesidecenter.org. Courage Critters is couragecritters.com. You can reach me either place. I also have a professional Facebook page, Dr. Renee Renardi, and you can find me there as well. 
Awesome. Thank you so much. And those resources, they are on which page? The resources for the forms, that's on lakesidecenter.org. There's two forms that I really encourage people to to take a look at. Under lakesidecenter.org, go to the tab forms and scroll down to cognitive distortions. So, and that sounds really messed up, but we all have cognitive distortions, right? They're just unhelpful thoughts that we all tend to have. Take a look at those. There is a worksheet called the thought challenging worksheet too. It's pretty self-explanatory, but if people have questions, let me know. So cognitive distortions and thought challenging. The other thing that I would encourage people to look at, there's a meditation on there called loving kindness. And this is a self-compassion and compassion toward others meditation, which is really, really nice. And it just goes through a very nice exercise of just making good wishes for yourself, making good wishes for other people. Sometimes people get afraid to meditate. They think that it's a religious practice. It's not, this is just a mental health practice. Oh, well, thank you again. This has been so amazing. Thank you for sharing your time, your experience, your stories. Uh, It has just been so fun to talk to you today. Well, thank you. I had fun as well. I'm happy to come back anytime with you lovely ladies. (laughs) I I enjoyed it very much. We did too. Thank you so much, Mm -hmm. Dr. Minardi. The mission of American Mothers is to educate inspire, and recognize mothers through programs that teach, support, and honor mothers, empowering them to positively impact their families and communities. I have enjoyed being with American Mothers since 1976. It has been a real positive influence in my life, not only as a mother, but also as a person and working with other mothers. We invite you to join with us as we work together to build mothers and our families. Go to AmericanMothers.org to find out more about the organization and join. We welcome you. I found a timely quote from an American Mothers article written by Sherry Zerker, who was a 1976 young mother from the state of Washington. She was subsequently on the national board and has written numerous articles. From one of her articles, I found something that I thought was very appropriate for today's discussion. She said, losing our cool affects both how others view us and how we view ourselves. To the extent that we lose control, we lose influence in the lives of those we are in contact with. Losing control affects how we view ourselves and leads to a loss of self-respect. It can sap our will and our constructive energy. That's why we all need to know ourselves and learn how we can keep our cool under pressure to make every bad situation a better one. How many of you out there are looking around at your home and thinking, oh my word, I need to do some decluttering. I need to revamp this room. It's just looking so old and beat up. If you're feeling that way, you're not alone. And guess what? Next week, we're bringing on an expert to teach you just how to do decluttering and redecorating with what you have. Stay tuned for that. I'm Sierra Roberts and Mother of the Year for the state of Kansas. I think that everybody's always fighting a battle and We have no idea what other people are carrying, especially kids too. Sometimes it's easy just to think, oh, they're just little kids. I'm always very in tune with Owen and his little friends. It's important to look at children as complete whole individuals as well. I think that they communicate in their own special little ways, but just to make sure that we're not 
taking you know anything away from them just because they're little and kids. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you like what you heard, subscribe so you can get your weekly dose of mom-to-mom -mom encouragement. We understand that being a mother can be overwhelming, but we hope that you found something useful you can apply to your own life. We invite you to share this episode with a friend who might also enjoy the message. The mission of American Mothers is to support mothers, empowering them to positively impact their families and communities. We want each one of you to discover and share your innate, inherent, and natural abilities to bless your children and others. The primary purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. The views, information, or opinions expressed during the American Mothers mom to mom podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of American Mothers Incorporated, its members or employees. AMI is not responsible for, nor does it verify the accuracy of the information contained in the podcast, nor does the series constitute any professional advice or services. We look forward to visiting with you one mom to another next week. Until then, just do your best at mothering and remember you're not alone. You've got an army of mothers all around you cheering you on.